0: Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery.
2: Hey, thanks for listening to the Nerdist Podcast. I hope you're having a nice day or night or middle of the night or mid morning or morning or mid afternoon or late afternoon or early evening. all your faces. I'm covering every single. Uh, base of the twenty-four hour time period. Because mm. I don't know when people listen to this. I, don't know. I really don't. I don't know. But whatever it is, uh, I command thee have a lovely time of the day. <laughs> that was a. You were humoring me. That was a. That was a charity laugh.
1: I used to listen to the podcast when I was working out. It was. I probably should have been listening to music more motive, like more I'm screwing up the whole podcast opening on it but it's true I would seriously I would listen and I would listen to it while I worked out
2: yep yeah. this reminds me of because this I, reminds me of your YouTube show Cool Story Chloe <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I liked listening to your voice while I worked out okay, okay all jerk yeah right,
2: what what? Might. I just fucking plugged your YouTube show Why am I a jerk face It's not even like a real YouTube show I literally just go
1: on my camera For about thir- For a minute and a half
2: Oh do you go on your camera grandma <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you describe
1: the it The tables have turned I'm too tired to fight you right now <laughs>
2: <laughs> For once, I am victorious. <laughs> uh, am I cheating that Chloe Dextra hasn't I fully know. slept in like two days? And
1: I also don't know what you win.
2: Because she went up to Portland to do some cosplay business? Well, that's fine. I shall take the victory.
1: <laughs> I mean, because ultimately you're losing anyway because I'm about to fall asleep. <laughs> no, we're in a
2: studio right now. <laughs> we're in a studio with a exactly. mattress. Exactly.
1: It's a, a fucking... really comfortable
0: studio. It's a studio. In my bedroom. That's
2: right. Yeah, I make it a studio, because there's some sweet performance going on in here. Don't, come on, would you just humor me, please? The kids are listening.
1: I mean, you are, it was a joke. It was,
2: what? It was a joke. Uh, I know, oh! Oh, I know, not until marriage. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to keep your pact. That's true. You've got to keep your pact. Hey! I'd like to thank Staffs.com for (laughs) posting episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Just stop it. Don't even try. I didn't even try. You didn't try. Well, sometimes it's the best segues are the the not segues, Uh, Clodart. Staffs.com, you could do everything that you could possibly do at a post office. It's like, it'd be like, it's like having the post office in your home. At your computer, buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. Stamps.com will send you a digital scale which calculates the exact amount of postage you need for any class of mail. And then you just hand your mail to the mailman. You slap him a high five. And then he walks off. And the sun whistles above you. And then you go back to your day. So it's just like being at the post office yeah. except there's not a line of angry people there. And then you can just be in your underwear. Maybe not when you meet the mailman. Uh, stamps.com has a special offer for Nerdist listeners. No risk trial. $110 bonus offer. Includes a digital scale and $55 of free postage. Do not wait! Go to Stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in Nerdist. Stamps.com. Promo code NERDIST. This is a fun episode because I am on a roll with wrestlers. I'm loving—I re- think I'm going to start watching wrestling now because I, I now like so many people that are involved in it. Uh, Mick Foley, a legend of wrestling, came on the podcast. We, uh, we also were set up via Twitter uh, on a podcast date, and it it completely paid off. Uh, Mick happened to be passing through Los Angeles on his way to Australia he was here for like maybe four or five hours and he came to our studio to do the podcast and uh, was a, is a terrific guy. You can follow him on Twitter at Real Mick Foley. So uh, here we go. The Nerdist Podcast number 325 with Mick Foley.
0: Now entering Nerdist.com.
2: You have so many fans. I, I had to. I wanted the, the the tweet questions. Okay. I just I just started recording. Slide to slide your slide I, the microphone up there. And... A
1: couple things. We'll take the conversation any way you want. to. Okay. Great. But uh, I just rewrote a my first children's book. I wrote it on the plane yesterday for a new generation. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I love that you actually you have like the that you have
2: like the marbled composition school notebook oh, yeah, there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just take whatever my kids don't have. <laughs> I mean, they, don't have they don't use rather. <laughs> see what's there official and and I'm also in a documentary about Santa Claus you know in, ad, in addition to the wrestling stuff that's so that's and radish. did they find him the real Santa <laughs> yeah
2: what do you mean he's been missing well yeah well yeah I mean you know since December 25th <laughs> well, I, He
1: takes you low. I have my sources though <laughs> he actually runs a catering business so so,
2: the, the, so that we the, the way that we were able to get you on the podcast this first of all it's I, it's lovely the way twitter works we had, uh, you know, CM Punk and then Chris Jericho on, and people were like, "The guy you also got to get on is Mick Foley," and then they started tweeting at you, and you tweeted at me, and I was like. This McFoley guy seems like an okay egg, and so we we chatted a bit online. And you happened to be in Los Angeles for what
1: ten hours? I just realized we're on the air now. This is mm-hmm. it. So I was talking about Santa running a catering business and telling you, "Hey, here's how <laughs> I was talking about." Here's what I want to talk about while we're on the air. Oh well, we'll talk yeah. about Santa. Even Col- it's your show. Well then, was, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, it is amazing how quickly that that that's that stuff can work uh, on, on Twitter I did it once with uh, Rochelle Carey from Headline News. Yeah. And this was at a time when I was working for a, a different company and they weren't and I'm not putting them down but they, they didn't you know their uh, public relations wasn't nearly as effective as Sure. Uh, you know WWE's a much bigger company and um, you know they got things done more effectively that way yeah here I was like there's Rochelle Carey one of the anchors on headline news like I'd love to have Mick Foley on sometime and I was like you would <laughs> 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 okay I happen the- to know Mick Foley <laughs> who <laughs> I am And that's the way it worked uh with this thing I mean it was within an hour right and yeah uh, and uh, you sense when when uh, your followers are really excited about something like oh you have to make this happen and I love the comments that are really like my two universes have collided. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to do. Well, because what happens is, is people are sick of hearing me talk about how
2: I don't know anything about sports. And so when I had punk on, I mean, I'm not – I grew up in Memphis – yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I was there, like I told him, I was there for the beginning of like wrestling sort of as we sort of as we know yeah, it the
1: weekly uh, Monday night shows. It's right? sort
2: of, you know, like I said, told him it looked like public access television, <laughs> uh, but it was like the Jimmy Hart and Jerry yeah. Lawler. And I was in Memphis for the, you know, for the whole Andy Kaufman thing and all that. But I didn't really watch wrestling over the years. And then so Punk came on. Super nerdy, super great guy. Then Chris Jericho, fucking awesome. And then everyone's like McFoley. And then you turn out to be a cool guy. It's like, oh my god, you know these wrestlers are basically just like comics in these Hulk bodies. <laughs> they're like they're like Hulk
1: robots, you know, like these amazing. Uh, well, a lot of the guys, you, you, there are some different subsections of wrestlers. Some of them get in there. And, I, and I'm not picking a Kurt Angle, but Kurt Angle is an example of the ultra competitive guy. You yeah, know, like gets in there because he wants to be the best, yeah. no matter what. And and like I think everybody who does well in wrestling does it because they, they do want to be the best. But we define being the best in different ways. You know, it's getting those re, you know the reactions. Like I was the reaction guy, and Jericho's a guy, brand you know brand you know, music. Like he's a renaissance man, yeah. quite a good dancer. Uh, and and the other guy I think you have to get on his Edge sometime okay Edge would kind of complete that kind of cool nerd block that oh hey oh we got you got a phone charger yeah (laughs) I think I got I think so now do you think do you think the rock would be a good guess well, I think, you know, I think he'd be a dynamite guest because he's so, uh, uh, you know, you'd have to talk outside the box. Yeah, uh, he just won the title again. Come yeah, on. he just won the title. I mean, the charming Rock, man. He's a great guest because he's always he's a great guest on everything. I don't yeah. know if he's tailored for this show the way that, uh, you know, P- Punk is probably perfect. Jericho, maybe yeah, Edge, pretty good too. Yeah. And then if you get The Rock, obviously that's a huge get. Yeah. I'm going to talk to him about Hawaii. <laughs> that's right. Jonas yeah. from Hawaii. Um,
2: someone should just take a drink in the game of the podcast where we mention Hawaii, someone takes a drink. <laughs> yeah, well. And that's then they I'm have from. to take a drink where I say that I wouldn't take a drink. Yes. And then it gets yes, all meta. Exactly. But uh, you're, uh, you, you're here for like just a handful of hours on your way to Australia. True. And um, so you flew from New York. Right. Oh, what a fucking day of travel. So New York, L.A.,
1: and then you're going to Sydney and then Perth? and Perth, yeah. Oh, my God. disastrous. When I originally envisioned this, I thought this was going to be my... Uh, Disney vacation, <laughs> week, uh, and then uh, my daughter ended up going to college. I didn't even think about that. Uh, my kids ended up already missing enough days because they were sick mm. during the uh, the Hurricane Sandy. Uh, we escaped the uh, we, we escaped the hurricane by traveling out of state, and I was on the road, and they made it down to Florida. I was like, "Whatever you do, don't don't go to the Magic Kingdom. Like you can go to Animal <laughs> Kingdom, Avatar, just don't go to Magic Kingdom." Do you Think they listen to me? No, Magic Kingdom. They could have gone to SeaWorld, they could ah, have gone to Epcot they have done Center, anything that's uh, how much status I have. Harry Potter World, <laughs> so. so that kind of took away like, like, nobody's like, hey, I was only a, it's been eight weeks since I've been at Disney, you know, if you could take me. <laughs> so I, I just reworked the uh, then a the little that stomach bug hit me for a few days, and uh, now I, I realized that adding another six hours New York to L.A. would just make it just the day that never ended. Yes. (laughs) So I broke it up. Uh, Los Angeles is always a place I can find something to do, <laughs> like, a uh, like a podcast, sure. like a podcast. And I stop, I'm like I stop by Adele's of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah you know, like in the Santa. Yeah. This is a casual. This is what <laughs> you were casual Santa today. today. Yeah. He would wear in the workshop or somewhere yeah. else during the rest of the year. Now, now
0: <laughs> really presumptuous. He's wearing his own face all over yeah. his clothes.
2: <laughs> now, when a large, shaggy man is wearing a big Santa shirt in the airport, is the TSA like? What's that? that guy, something's out of whack. What's going on with it? You there?
1: know what? That's the way they look at me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know what? One of the hardest adjustments I had to make was that when you go through that, if, if you guys, you travel quite Tons, a bit. Tons, right? yeah. yeah. You guys go through there. Yep. And when they have the full motion body scanner, it's essentially they take a naked photo. Yeah, sure. And I'm not convinced somewhere down the line there's not going to be a best of the celebrity body scans. Oh, oh yeah. 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 So for like six months, I was going, no, I won't do it. I was going with the pat-down, yep. which is a really thorough pat-down. <laughs> and they tell you, have you done it? Yeah. They tell uh-huh. you what they're doing to you. Yep. They're like, I am going up your inner thigh with the back Would you rather?
2: <laughs> would you rather have us take a naked photo of you or would you rather be molested? It's either one. <laughs> one of them. Like, it, but you're right. There's going to be like celebrity dick outlines.
1: Here's Bradley Cooper's wiener. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the weirdest thing is I actually get it. Now I've actually accepted I'm going to do the three-second thing and hope that technology doesn't backfire me. And when I put my hands up for those who <laughs> like Diamond Dallas Page bank thing, I actually find myself flexing for those three seconds, like, like that's going to make a difference in yeah. my uh,
2: my naked my naked yeah. shot. I I don't uh, I, my, my, I was traveling once and and Joe Mangianello Mon- Mangianello from uh, True Blood was in front of me. And as soon as he got into the scanner, I was just like, oh, all the, the TSA women were going fucking oh, bananas. Really? And I'm like, oh, my God, his wiener has just become their, the lock screen
1: on their phones. The- I bet. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet mine is not anybody's lock screen. I, you know what? I'm,
0: I'm glad, yeah. though, that they've made the screen in another room now. Yeah. Now There's not that thing where you're getting your stuff
1: together you can just look at oh, the yeah, people. Yeah. And is that get... the deal? Because no people have stopped laughing when I go through this. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> other weird thing yeah. is that when you're online, you start trying to think of sexy things you can have like a, a half an erection <laughs> when you go through. Yeah. So that
0: you look a little... Which is more hard when you're... we all do it. Come, yeah. come on. We I mean, all do it, right? And we are doing travel yeah, mode, it's give not fucking easy. Give it a little tug, a little thug, come on.
1: In relation war, to war, childlike state. Yeah. I you didn't expect this, this line to be so long.
2: <laughs> Turtle's coming out for this one. Warming up a little bit. Come on, guys, it's picture day.
1: Let's get a little, let's uh, let's take it out there a little oh, bit. Man. yeah. Dating back to when, and I wrote about this. There was a guy named Doctor Eye Hacker. Uh, he gave all the sports physicals when I was growing up, and. There's there's no telling how many teenage testicles this guy has had in his yeah. hands. Yeah. You know, uh, and and it would be that deal where y- y- you look down and, and you know, Mr. Happy's decided to like tuck in yeah. like, <laughs> to protect himself yeah. and you're like yeah. not that I wanna impress Dr. <laughs> that It's <would be> embarrassing. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to go too far in
2: either direction. It's yeah. like,
1: I don't want to be too sucked, but I don't want to
2: be too hard either. Because
1: yeah. There's a doctor that sends the wrong impression. There was a guy named Jay, uh, I'll call him Jay Pinochle, even though that's not his real name. <laughs> okay. He still has to live a life. Uh, <laughs> he was heard giggling in Dr. iHacker's office, and that was essentially the end of his... No. Yeah, that was the end of his, you know... <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> I'm, sure that's, years, I'm sure that's spread yeah. around before oh, he even yeah, walked out right. of that room.
0: Yeah,
2: hey, yeah. Dr. Giggles. Yeah. They, they
0: invented the internet specifically to, to pass around the VRM. story about him giggling. <laughs> so
2: you started wrestling in the probably
1: early 80s, right? What, like 82 yeah, 80 or three Yeah, 85 was my official start in wrestling school. Uh, so I was wrestling in 83. I was wrestling Kevin James in the Ward Melville uh, High School uh, wrestling room. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. You guys went to college. Yeah, I mean, to yeah, high, school high school together. And Then he, then he went to college. He uh, came in like a, a year later, went to college with me and hung out with me until he got like real friends. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> he abandoned me. But yeah, we had some pretty, uh, some pretty good matches. Kevin, for anyone who saw like Here Comes, here comes the, boom, the Boom and they were surprised, they shouldn't have been. You know, he was a tough kid, big kid. And so yeah. he was, uh, you know, that was a monumental undertaking every day in the, in the wrestling room.
2: But that's different than like professional wrestling, which is a lot of s- stunts stuff Stunt. Uh,
1: Stunt. Oh, i called a stuntman before not uh, a stuntman but is,
2: like is, you have is. to know how to fall you have to know how to land you have to know how to take someone down without fucking breaking their neck I mean it's kind well, of there's
1: uh, a, you know you need a little cooperation to make the moves look good and here's the funny thing is I actually started cooperating in the Ward Melville wrestling room with Kevin James because uh, we were heavyweights which meant we didn't have to watch our weight uh, as long as we didn't get over 215 and I eventually did weigh in for the super heavyweight for the county tournament with a two-and-a-half-pound weight in my jock. Like I was like pushing. And we realized that these guys, you know, who were starving, practically starving themselves, sucking weight, as they call it, you know, really looking miserable. We're working as hard as they could. They like we were somehow managing to sweat. You know, they may have not had a drink of water in days. And Kevin and I were like, you know, this would be a lot easier if we were helping each other out. So we would be there like... Guilty. <laughs> you're, you're like yeah. <laughs> calling moves out, and then uh, Jim McGonigal or Coach back good work. Oh, nice. And it wasn't James then. Good work, Foley. Good work.
2: <laughs> That's. I, I feel like I saw a MTV did that True Life series, and one of them was about a. Uh, I think it was called True Life, but it was basically just like. Uh, you know, sections of teenagers doing yeah, stuff. True Life, MTV True Life. And then one of them was a, was like a high school wrestler, and it was so fucked up. This poor kid had such a, it was almost an eating, basically an eating disorder. Um, and, yeah. And yeah. it was, you know, he had to weigh in, and he was like a pound too heavy, so he put on all these clothes and tried to sweat it out and pee it out, and he was going bananas and like just barely made well, it. that's like,
1: the way it was, and then they'd have like uh, the, the rest of the day they could then eat whatever they wanted. That's the way my brother was. My brother would get out, and and he he started wrestling before I did, so he, he we I had a lot of experience wrestling with my brother. My brother was a younger, uh, he was a he was a tall, thin guy, and tall, you know, lighter weight guys wrestle a different style. So when I became a wrestler with the heavyweight, I actually adapted to it pretty quickly, and I became like like the only heavyweight wrestler in the county who was a leg rider, which was a different way of. Of wrestling, but I, I don't want to lose your audience too quickly about time wrestling. I'll just say that my brother was one fifteen when he wrestled. I was two fifteen. Oh, I was only a couple inches taller than him. Oh so Jesus! Was, my brother used to get gasps from people, and now they they've changed the, the way they they suck weight. Like there's only a certain amount of body weight you're allowed to lose from the time you start. But he'd get gasps, almost like he was just emerging from Auschwitz or something. Oh, like almost, geez. almost that bad. Not making light of anybody. Who's, who's, who really suffered there. Uh, but he and my brother could be pretty tough on me as far as my weight was concerned. Yeah. You know, crossed out the D in the Moby Dick book and replaced it with an M. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, Moby yeah. Dick. And <laughs> I just remember going and watching my brother, because he was so tall and thin, that he would wrestle guys of, like, greater stature, but who were smaller than him. And the one time uh, he wrestled against Sachem High School, and he took on a dwarf and lost... <laughs> I Whoa. just looked up oh. in this guy, and I went, thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'll always have this on my brother. Like anytime Uh-oh. my weight came out, i like, you lost to a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> no more Moby Mick nah, from here on out. No, more Alex. Moby Mick for me. <laughs> so what was the
2: transition for you from from that to, uh, to perfect? Because 85, by that point, Wrestling's kind of getting yeah. to be like a national thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I, was, I loved it. I, I mean, I I, I I enjoyed doing the high school wrestling. If I hadn't have done it, no way I would have thought I could have uh, ever ventured into pro wrestling. It really helps to have that background. And I was just one of these, like, dreamers, you know, who thought, ah, I'd love, again, to get those reactions, to make people feel the way that, uh, you know, that I felt when wrestling was at its best. And a lot of your listeners will probably know the, the story about Jimmy Superfly Snooker. You guys familiar with this? Me uh, hitchhiking from my college about 250 miles away, scalping a ticket, showing up by myself, which was not unusual for me, (laughs) to show up by myself anywhere, which kind of made me like an outcast. That's the type of thing that people grab onto in high school, like, I saw that guy. By himself at the movies yeah yeah that, that really reputation. would it's like he ate by himself during lunch he's a weirdo yeah he's a weirdo yeah. Yeah. yeah if you do that when you're older and you have some money then you're just kind of so eccentric. what are, so, yeah, when, yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: so when you're going when you're going and you're watching by yourself what is it what is it specifically that you're seeing
1: or what is the experience for you uh, you know, it depends largely on the, the matchup. Has to have a build, has to have that story, and then you willingly, as as do most nerds, in some element of their life, you got to suspend disbelief. You know, whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars or Santa Claus or wrestling. You know, you suspend that disbelief, and if the stuff is good enough and it looks legit and the storyline's got you hooked, then you'll do that. It doesn't and it doesn't hurt to throw some you know some real good physicality in there. So, like, when Snuka came off the top of the steel cage against Morocco, like, you could look at it and go, okay, it's not really a 15-foot-high steel cage because it's only a foot and a half taller than Snuka, who is not 15 (laughs) and a half feet tall. But, again, you hear it so often, and then you go and tell your friends, it was a 15-foot-high steel cage, you know? people have sworn that the cell that I was thrown off of in a 1998 match with The Undertaker was 30 feet tall, you know? And, uh, <laughs> Hell in the cell match yeah, on yeah. the press like, table. You know, it was a legit 16. Like, that's six feet taller than a basketball hoop. So yeah. you're standing up there. And speaking of Jericho, I was glad he, he mentioned this in his book. He said he was thinking of doing something off the top of the cell. And he said, I swear to God... People looked like ants down there. Like you can't believe how high it was until you're, unless you're actually up there. And I was reading, going, "Thank you." Because that's exactly what everything looked like. Like it was, like it was just. Tiny. That was such yeah. a good match. Wow. Well, yeah. well, thank you. So it is. So there is
2: there is a little bit of P.T. Barnum and of like, and this, this
1: cage is oh, are 35 You got to do it. Yeah. And people just like, because well, I, I went to an independent show where they actually, the guy, you know, he ordered a 15 foot high steel cage. An independent show. And, and first of all, they could barely fit it in the building. And then the guys, they wanted them to try to come off. They couldn't even stand up on top of there. And the other thing is they're making $50. They're like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not coming off. I'm not going to do it. So, yeah, you're better off going seven and a half. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we've all exaggerated our own sexual exploits, right? Uh, so why not just... Uh, My dick is 15 feet long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, 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 right. exactly. can barely it's fit it in the theater. Conference. My dick looks yeah. like ants.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you mean <Aunt> the comedian? <laughs> Um the comedian uh, uh, the, the the sort of evo- I mean it's almost like I think it, I, obviously I'm sure for anyone who gets into wrestling now I'm sure it's really exciting because if they can, if they can hit it big pretty fast everything's pretty much in place but what seems like it might have been fun for you is that your evolution sort of followed this what was a relatively nascent organization at that point right WWE? Well, just yeah, just like the way that wrestling had evolved. Okay, I like... know I've
1: written several New York Times bestsellers, but you got to run nation by me. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like it was like in an early, like also, an early I've... stage, like in its infancy. It was in no, its infancy. It been around it had been around for quite a while. When I joined, when I had my second match of my career, uh, it was as a WWE extra in 1986, and they'd just gone national as far as. Uh, bringing the show around to the arenas. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Like, yeah. as opposed
2: to just being like a local thing that right. you would go and see local shows or see like on public access or like local TV stations is like, it really was, it really had started to become a national phenomenon that like, Oh, people actually watch wrestling and it's a big thing. And like, just as much as they watch
1: football. And it became a point where you didn't have to pretend you were not a wrestling fan. Like, yeah, yeah there were a lot of people, a lot of closeted wrestling fans, you know, at that <laughs> time. And growing up in Memphis, like you said, you would look at it, and how did you determine it looked like it was oh public, public access? Public access, yeah. But you would talk to somebody from Memphis, and they'd be like, "No, this is the best show, and this is the best." And you compare it, and it was like, "Why don't they at least fix the camera? That's clearly, <laughs> yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, it clearly needs some white balancing or something." <laughs> and they're like, "No, it works. If it, it works, why you know, if it's not broke, why why fix it?" Yeah. Um, but WWE really showed what a you know a really good production could look like. And, uh, and people gravitated towards it. You know, you kind of sometimes uh, confuse, uh, you know, quality with presentation. And WWE did for a while you know they they snuck in some guys who were just horrendous so, <laughs> Name from, a, from a wrestler standpoint a young wrestler standpoint it was like what about me like i knew i was working with a, are you listening limited... brutus the yeah, well, I'm <laughs> kid picking, picking on brutus here Come on, what Those i'm cheers. saying there were i would look and i would see some gimmicks you know mantor uh, <laughs> being one i, I actually about was going mantor. to I think was going to write a children's book with the island of uh, you know worthless gimmicks. Where <laughs> oh all the characters didn't work out, and all like banished to an island. <laughs> <laughs> and Everyone just has a problem. And I, and I would be like, "What about me?" And uh, and it was one of those things that kind of built into, into a healthy anger, you know, so that yeah. it kind of drove me. And I, even when I did this pretty famous uh, series of interviews with Jim Ross in 1997 you know, I had a way to vent that anger in that in that interview and it was yeah. pretty it was pretty good stuff.
2: So what's the constant what is the constant um mindset of a professional wrestler in terms of trying to figure out what character you want to portray and kind of staying relevant and staying ahead of the curve and being able oh, to
1: Staying ahead of the curve is I mean it's so important because you got to see that curve coming before other people do. And there have been guys uh guys who During the era, especially of the catchphrase, it was frustrating for me to see how easy it was for people to go out there and say the same thing every week. And I would be—I remember—you ever heard me drop a single f-bomb, right? No. Usually. Use it as an action verb. <laughs> <laughs> Fully bedroom. Yeah. But, uh, I remember coming in when Paul Bearer was my manager and like trying to do one of these kind of deep philosophical things, and nobody cared. And uh, he was like, "Oh, don't worry. That's the way he really called <laughs> oh, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. worry. And I was like, "No, oh, fuck them." <laughs> <laughs> and it was really frust- frustrating for me. And then over time, it was like, you know what? People are going to need a little more than this. And the guys who didn't see that curve coming, I mean, and then kept up with the catchphrases, they got washed away. It was kind of it's sad. It's really interesting. See,
2: it you know? almost seems like you have two wrestling matches. You have the one, this the one that you're doing in the ring, and then the one with the public, because yeah. if they don't if they don't respond,
1: then you're out. Uh, yeah, uh, it's constantly tweaking, seeing what works, and then uh, you know you have your creative team, and you, you know you have to fight your battles. You you have to pick your choose your battles. You can't fight about everything that, that comes your way, even though some guys have and have been successful that way. But you have to, you know, stand up. Uh, I'll give you an example: the nerd universe—they love. And this, I'm not picking. I got to say, I'm not picking on Zach Ryder, but you guys probably have, uh, you know, a million Zach Ryder fans out there, right? People love Zack Ryder, and Zach is in Zach. This is not something I haven't told him personally. Zach will say, "Hey, I'm not getting pushed. How, I'm not getting pushed." And I said, "Zach, did you ever?" Bring your case to Vince McMahon. He said, no. And I went, that's the guy. You have to bring the case. You have to come to him with your evidence, say, this is why I should be pushed. I've moved this much merchandise. I've done this. This he wrote numbers and you present it. And it's it's not it's not baseball where if you hit 333, you can be the biggest jerk in the world and you're always gonna have a job. I mean, it's very subjective. And if one guy is saying I I don't think he does it, and he happens to be the guy who owns the company, then you're kind of out of luck unless you can go up there and fight that battle. And like that's the most important battle you'll ever fight is the one you have with your boss over where you are. Well, I'm sorry,
2: I'm I'm really begun to gain an immense amount of appreciation for it because it's not just it's not just all those political battles and and the character work, but also the physicality of it. And like you know, on top of all that other shit, it's like. And you have to work out a lot, and you really have to eat. You know, like you have to live a certain yeah. lifestyle. I mean, unless your character is like I'm like mine, and you wear a loose fitting, <laughs> sand and say you look like in his workshop.
0: On his unless, office, like, yes, yeah. if you're
2: wearing a sarong, then then of course. But but you know, but but you definitely, your most revealing outfit was cactus jack. <laughs> but even if even if your thing is like I'm a big fat guy, you still have to be in good shape because you have to jump around and fly around and yeah. fall and, and hit. You know what,
1: And if you are especially. I'm I'm hoping that you're not just saying that I'm the big. You are not the big <laughs> fat guy. Because <laughs> when I was really at my at my best, WWE, I was like 275, 280, yeah, and I was moving around uh, pretty good. But I had to be able to keep up with a guy like Shawn Michaels, who at the time was like 205, and they were gonna go. Like it's not like <laughs> they go, hey, just want to check with your their car- your cardio system. <laughs> I'm gonna lower my standards for you out there. It's like, hey, you bet, you know, you keep up or you you know you you lose out. Wow.
2: Well, it is. It is. You, you have to just like the same way that if you're improvising with really good improvisers, they're going to assume like if you're here, you're probably going to bring a certain level of game and you're responsible for that. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're, that's your problem.
1: Yeah. You, I was wondering. I can't remember where I was watching something that reminded me of uh, I think I was watching the Royal Rumble. And uh, I was thinking back to when I was an announcer. And whether or not I would have liked to have been comfortable in that position or been pushed to be as good as I can be, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I think I would have been okay with a pat on the back. You know, <laughs> like I think. I, but some people, like there's been some people almost combative at the announce table where you got to keep up or get left behind. And Michael Cole's a great announcer, but for a while when he was a heel, heel Michael Cole. Before like the real life babyface yeah. turn of all real life turns, which was Jerry Lawler having a real heart attack, yes, turn Michael Cole into a babyface in a way <laughs> that he probably can't. He can't be the guy in the coal mine because you saw him. Everyone's gonna remember Michael Cole as the guy with the completely white face saying, "This is Jerry Cole. Lawler's had a heart attack." Like he's now a babyface. Yeah. But when he was a heel announcer, you know, he was. He was pretty rough on those commentators, and I'd sit there and be like, I don't know how Booker takes this, you know. <laughs> if I was Booker T, I'd be grabbing Michael <laughs> Cole by the, you know, mm-hmm. by the gullet and going, hey man, you know, back off. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's really, really competitive in ways that you wouldn't think. I love I am I'm, I'm interested in exploring the idea of
2: how, you know, how and, and you you defined it for yourself, but how different wrestlers uh, measure success because you know it it's basically It's sort of planned out, I would imagine. Well, this person's going to have the title for a while and this is going to
1: think, you know, I mean, there's a long term plan and then plans change. For example, uh, I was on hand at one of the tent towns in uh, Massachusetts, which were fun towns. It was like the Cape Cod Melody Tent. Great. There was another one venue. in Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> fun venues. South Shore Music Circus. Yeah, okay. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was one in Rhode Island, too. There's a lot of fun. Great atmosphere. And then when you got your check, you're like, oh, why do we go to these gre- <laughs> crap? There's not many people there. But a uh, uh, guy came up to me, uh, head of merchandising, he was like, hey, we want to, thinking of having a t-shirt for you, and I could see on my bar graph or chart that they had t t-shirt and like two other items marked off, Mark Henry had every item, like every item that was possible, they had him checked off, and Barry Windham, great wrestler, but under the character of the stalker that went nowhere, had almost every item marked off, like they really wanted to merchandise the stalker. And then uh, Steve Austin comes walking up. He's like, hey, Miranda, how about a T-shirt for Stone Cold? And uh, and Jimmy, he got like, uh, "Um, Steve, don't take this the wrong way, but uh, the office just doesn't see a lot of merchandising potential in you. <laughs> oh, oh, And like a year later, everyone's wearing the Austin 316. So there's a plan, but the plans change sometimes day to day. Sure. Wow. But if you, I mean... It, because obviously it's really cool if you get to be the WWE
2: champion, but it's—are you the? Do you become the champion for obviously for reasons that aren't necessarily like, we're oh, we're he really bested this some, guy in we're combat.
1: On some sacred ground here, uh, I, I'd rather leave some of this up to the imagination. Okay, but sure. they have guys who, who can really carry the company. And then there were guys like me uh, who were transitional champions. Like, yeah, <laughs> he won the championship, but we don't see this guy. Like, He's not going to be the face of the company for very long. But you know what? Like, like a Buster there, Douglas. Like a Buster Douglas who can have that one amazing <laughs> yeah. night, and no matter what he did with the rest of his uh, career, you can't take away that incredible night. Right. You go back and watch that, it's amazing that, the announcers are literally going, "Well, you know, but, you know Mike's a little slow, but he's going to turn this around. He should be taking care of Buster Douglas." Saying, "These are the announcers they're yeah. supposed to be. They're supposed to be <laughs> objective." Yeah. You guys yeah. want to yeah. go like, get Mike. a pizza, or do you want to watch the rest yeah. of this? Or? And then all of a sudden, it's like, "Bo, you know," they start taking it more seriously. And and so Buster Douglas is a perfect example of a guy who never would, he would never again reach that uh, that pinnacle. But he had that one amazing, amazing night in wrestling. The, the biggest challenge is that we finish our WrestleMania, which is our Super Bowl. And unlike the NFL players you know, or the, <laughs> and the MVP, and I think I yeah. use this line where you go, what are you going to do? I'm going to Disneyland. And you interview the guy in the main event at WrestleMania. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to get in my car at 6 a.m. I'm going to drive 200 miles, and I'm going to have a live match tomorrow. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Monday like, Night round. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it is. It's like it's, this, uh, it's a lot of pressure to be at your best, all the time and uh and the most faking that goes on is where you pretend to feel a lot better than you do like that's sure the, the irony is that you think it's all about oh god look i'm not really hurt but i'm pretending i'm hurt when in reality a lot of the times it's <laughs> i'm really hurting <laughs> <laughs> these people in el paso didn't pay their hard-earned money to see somebody who's really hurting you know yeah, right they came, they came to see people at their best so it's Full of ironies, man. <laughs> but how do you, and so, where you know, wh- where do you go
2: brain-wise to shut that off and just be like, well, I got it's just that adrenaline.
1: That's why I had the Christmas room. Yeah, uh, I did. <laughs> I had the holy Christmas room, and I, so everyone needs some something to ground them. Yeah, and for me, it was the Christmas room and uh, literally thousands of women across the world.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I Made that, I made that <laughs> part up, but uh, yeah,
1: I, I, I was kind of grounded. Uh, um, You know, I I would go to amusement parks. um, Even when I was shopping for this shirt at Adele's, which is an amazing... You guys been there? Yeah, it's on Hollywood. Amazing place. And they asked me a question. I said, you know, there's worse things that a grown man could be doing than going to Adele's of Hollywood. Like <laughs> Hollywood you know? like, yeah, That's my thing. Adele's of Hollywood and the Nerdists. So. Are, you, yeah. are, you,
0: are you wearing a Dude Love shirt underneath the... No, actually, it's It just happens to shirt. be a different
1: tie-dyed shirt. No, believe it or not, it is tie-dyed, but it's a tie-dyed snowman. <laughs> <laughs> snowman shirt. Uh, Snowy could Garcia. I a, could I get a plug-in for a yes. couple of things? Yes, let Real please. Mick Foley. If you just go to Real Mick Foley, whether it's at Real Mick Foley for Twitter... RealMcFoley.com, the website. It's got all my upcoming shows. You guys have an international audience, right? We do. So I've got shows uh, coming up in two days, starting in two days in Australia. Big tour of the U.K. In, uh, uh, April 24th through May 12th. And shows in, uh, in the U.S. in March in uh, Louisville and uh, Sacramento, San Francisco, Phoenix, Flagstaff.
0: What can one expect at a McFoley show?
1: Um, they can be expect. They'll honestly. I was gonna. I was gonna say something um, uh, to to put myself down, but honestly, uh, that's what people are. People aren't expecting that much. They don't know what to expect. They. I think they expect a guy like trying to do punchlines and comedy. <laughs> and it's like you know what? It's it's if you like the books, if the books made you. Yeah. People would be like, really you? Comedy? Like I don't. See that. I mean, you read the book, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did it make you laugh out loud? Yes, you'll enjoy the comedy there show. There you go. And it was really the guy I'm doing Australia, the Australian tour, with Brendan Burns, who oh, was nice, me. Oh, nice, yeah. He, he was like, he would hear me describe my show, and I'd be like, well, I, I use wrestling as a jumping-off point to work into other subjects. He'd be like, mate, you do a wrestling show. And I said, no, 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 I use it, I approach bigger subject. Mate, it's a wrestling show. <laughs> and when I finally went to the Montreal Comic-Con, and you're like, wow, there's like, 200 great comedians under one roof. If people want to go anywhere for comedy that doesn't involve wrestling, like, there's a lot of alternatives, (laughs) a lot of options. It's like, you know what? I'm going to wear that hat. I'm going to be the wrestling (laughs) guy. And it's really made my shows a lot better. Like, I may branch out. You know, I can talk about Stacey Keebler and George (laughs) and things like that. As long as I met Stacey in a wrestling context. So I can branch out and I can talk about You know, I can talk about the fact that when I saw President George W. Bush (laughs) waving out of the window to me, he did do the bang, bang. (laughs) Like, <laughs> I, I can go into Holy politics shit. and I can say, like, right there, that changed my entire view, not of only him, but of foreign policy. Like, <laughs> you have a United States president who knows my catchphrase. So like, that's going to explain a lot of the decisions. Maybe that's just well. what he does. Right, bang, bang, I shoot <laughs> yeah. everybody. No, uh, uh,
0: George. Mr. Sacco told him they were weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> so uh, uh,
1: so this, they're, they're fun. you know. I, I've done a really bad job this year getting clips out. So I thought, honestly, WB would embrace it and see it as a natural extension of the wrestling, which is the way a lot of fans are like, okay, I completely get it, when they leave. But they're almost always taking a giant leap of faith in going there. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, very few people leave and say, geez, I was expecting more. It, like, almost always overperforms. Well, that's know, good because it?
2: because that'll ensure that you can go back again and keep doing it. And
1: it should. It's still. It's really difficult to get the same people who will wait two hours online for your autograph to try something different. Because mm-hmm. at least they know what they're getting. You yeah. Know, like, and, and in an economy, you can understand. All right, I'm going to pay my twenty dollars. I'm going to wait two hours. At the end of those two hours, I'm going to get a photo with the guy. Well, people
2: just love out. certainty, and so they yeah. love to. It's very. Risk taking. I mean, it's 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 hard enough to even get someone to take a risk on a clickable link that you have sent them, <laughs> let alone leaving their homes and paying money to sit but, through something. Well, I, I'm
1: sure if you ask Adam Saylor about punch drunk love, it's yeah. going to bring up like some deep feelings. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he considers it. and It was it was great work, but it's like, you know what? I know what else you do, and I'll be there waiting in line when you do that. <laughs> well, uh, if you make your, depo- you know, like love Will Ferrell in dramatic roles, but that's not necessarily what people want to see Will Ferrell doing. Yeah. And uh, I, I have to convince people that this is what they want to see me doing. Yeah. And and generally, when they go and they take a chance, it you know that's the way they feel. But it's trying to get them there to take that chance, which is difficult. Have you? Con-
2: has it been as? emotionally challenging as wrestling
1: so far? Ah, oh, you know what? That's one of the things I like about it is uh, it is like wrestling without the physical pain. Yeah. But it's that same sense if something's not working, it's it feels like yeah, the night chair in the ring and stuff isn't working. And when things are working... Now, in wrestling, you had the benefit when you got to be a big name that people were going to give you loud... They were, were going to get behind you no matter how bad yeah. your stuff looked. And I was there in 99 when my body was kind of... Falling apart. People really give me the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Some of these matches, but in comedy, you get like five, ten minutes, and then that's kind of. If all the the, I would say five, five, max. Yeah. yeah, if you're not making them laugh after five, and you do like an hour show, like I do, uh, it's either uh, you know, it's it's going right to the Q and A right there. They're uh, even more disappointed <laughs> because they're expecting. If they know who you are, they're like, "This should have been better," uh, you know. Yeah. Well, I that's. No, no. I think in my case, they don't know what to expect. They're not expecting that much. They're almost ready. It Reminds me of when I went to see, a Twisted Sister in a club. And Dee Snider's—he's a, a good friend of mine. But I was like, geez, when I went to see him like ten years ago, I was like, he's fifty. He's <laughs> and then you go out there, and it's like, wow. You forget that these are guys who've done thousands of shows. Like yeah. this isn't like a current star who gets signed and is literally doing their first live performance yeah. after a recording. Like it's like, wow, this is the real deal. And people can see; they can sense. Uh, you know, they they got their BS detectors on. You know, they can sense when you're just going through the motions or whether you're really enjoying themselves. And and I don't do it so much that I don't enjoy it. I imagine if it was a full time job, it would you know it would be a hassle. And the hardest thing about it is actually going out there and bothering people on Twitter and Facebook. But I went to the Edinburgh show, and you see that the there's two thousand acts there. Over the course of three weeks, and the average audience for the average Edinburgh show was six. Yeah, and these people are out there, the comics, handing out their flyers for hours. Oh yeah, the Edinburgh Festival is intense. A dozen people there, and here I'm going. Oh, I guess I have to send out a tweet to <laughs> 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 annoy people who aren't interested. Already, already spoiled. We're already spoiled. Ah, uh, so I do occasionally get someone who's like, eh, "I'm I'm unfollowing you because all you do is plug your stuff," and I'm like. You just are following me. You're not breaking up with me. That's <laughs> <laughs> not a conversation. Yeah, thanks for your thanks for your follow. That's the other yeah. thing too. People yeah, yeah. need you to
0: know. Yeah, I need yeah, you to know. know. Oh, and follow yeah. all caps. Yeah. Um,
2: what? Uh, so you, you through through the resume you portrayed like you you became a, a, a few different yeah, characters. Yeah. And so what is the decision like? Is it sort of like, oh, I'm kind of tired of this one and I want
1: to turn into this one? Or is it, how does in it In my work? case, you know, the the answers are a little bit different because I was a pretty successful character as Cactus Jack. I didn't know at the time that Vince McMahon despised <laughs> He thought I looked seedy, like I wasn't a star. He didn't tell me those things. But when I was in his office the first time, and at first I was like, okay, we want to do what's best for Mike. Calling me a name that you know only my mom or my my mom when she was really angry and it's like man he doesn't even really know my name. We went through some things and he showed me a sketch of a a guy in a mask and he said that's gonna be you. uh, You know I really took a lot of pride in my you know facial expressions as a way of telling stories. I was pretty down about it and then my wife helped convince me and Jim Ross helped convince me this is a way of you know doing something different. Uh, who knows, maybe it could even turn into something better, and it did. It turned out to be the best thing that could have happened to me because then I had Mankind as a character. A year later, Mr. McMahon found out that I had always secretly yearned to be this dude love character. <laughs> <laughs> saw the footage. You guys, have you seen the photo? Fo- the, they showed a little footage on the WWE Hall of Fame thing. I dug it out. People have seen the 1985 loved one, but they'd never seen 1983's The Legend of Frank <laughs> where I actually go through a posing routine at about 220 pounds, and I didn't look that bad. Like, I didn't look that bad, but I would look at the correlation. Okay, I was 220 pounds. I had no job. At 2:35, I was sleeping in my car and I was eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches. I got hired at 2:50. I are getting a push at 2:65. I went to W. Like, hey, this is pretty clear to me where this path is supposed to take me. And then by the time you're 3:20, it's kind of like, all right, maybe I'm always overdoing it here. The loved one. That was the Henry Winkler movie, right? Uh no, not the loved one. The uh, what was the the Henry Winkler wrestling I movie? Know the one, yeah. We should look it up. Uh, where he played a gorgeous George he, type yes, character. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: It was like the
1: world's great. It
2: was like it was some sort of superlative, like the greatest something something. Matt, you're looking that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler wrestling. Little Henry Winkler trivia for Please. you. Please, uh, Kevin James. Henry Winkler trivia. The Henry Winkler uh, character, the Mr. one and only, the one and the only, the one and only.
2: So I was way off.
1: The Henry Winkler character, Mr. Betcher, and here comes the boom. Uh-huh. Is actually named for a real life. Mr. Betcher, who, uh, who is a very good friend of mine uh, and whose son is a very good friend of mine. Nice. Had one of the great quotes that I'd a- a- ever heard of, driving me to a college uh, way down s- North Carolina, Virginia, you know, when it's time when you're a college senior and taking that trip. And he was talking about being in the Marine Corps. And this is a great quote. He goes, Believe me, Mickey, believe me. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> and his son woke up. He's like, what? Dad, you know what you just said? Believe me. Believe me.
2: Unbelievable. It's going to be a new chance. That's going to be a new chance. Believe <laughs> me. Believe, believe me. Unbelievable. I, I, asked, I asked people on Twitter if they had questions for you uh, because you, you, uh, you have quite a, a rabid fan base. And so as soon as people saw, like you said, as soon as people saw you're coming on, it was like, so I said, oh, if you have questions for Mick, oh, what are they? So I, I have some Twitter questions for Let's you. Let's hear it. Okay, this is from at Holy Toaster. Hey, Mick, saw you in Kansas gave you a Whataburger gift card. Have you used it? I did.
1: Fuck (laughs) yeah! Uh, I did not know that uh, it was only when I was in Kansas that I got the call that I was going to Raw. In Houston and Whataburger, you know, is centered based out of Texas. So I not only used it; it came out to like nine dollars and eighty-seven cents, perfect. <laughs> but when I'm in Texas and I don't know when I'll be back, I hit it like three times <laughs> in that one and a half day period. Yeah, yeah oh good, I that guy's going to be thrilled. Is.
2: Thank you very much. This is from uh, Dom, at Dom Risk on Twitter. Uh, will we ever see an all true biography of Vince McMahon? And are you the guy to
1: write it? Ooh, oh man, wow. you know, at one point I wanted to write a book centered around even one day at WrestleMania, I want to call it Maniac, <laughs> inside the mind of Vince McMahon. Wow. And uh, I pitched it to him, uh, and he said, you know, Mick, I think what I'd like to see is another book of yours. And I, I thought he was kidding me. And and then a couple days later, I called him the publisher saying, so I hear you're going to do another book for us. And that w- that turned Fuck. out to be the Hardcore Diaries. But I thought it'd be really impossible. It'd be really, really difficult. I'm not a good enough researcher to, to really do a real, you know, a true biography on, uh, on Vince McMahon. But I think just having full access to him for like uh, even a few days and then following like three or four storylines, you know, the guy who's having his last match, mm-hmm. the okay. guy who's having the biggest match of his career, and the guy who's getting like the big break, uh, you know, that could be a really fascinating book. I was also asked if I wanted to participate in the history of d- the WWE uh, book. Which, oh, that's uh, cool. Which I might. Hey, as long as I'm talking, can I mention something? You please? mention whatever you want. This uh, is your platform. Assume, this is something. Maybe this, I'm break, this is breaking news, and please. I want some feedback because I'm going to read two different um, two different versions of the story. I'm rewriting Christmas Chaos okay. for the uh, for new generation. It's not the Attitude Era book. Uh, we're taking out, you know, the naked elf's going to have a pair of shorts on. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the, especially, you can get away with this photo with the naked elf running around. <laughs> but you can't get away with this photo. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah like no. Full get, moon elf. Full moon. So at the point where Santa, uh, he's like staggered up the stairs to talk with Mrs. Claus. But as he reached the mirror, he simply had to pause. Maybe it's my image, he thought as he wiped away his tears. I haven't changed the way I look in over 90 years. The story i was written is outdated because it says, this beard will be the first to go, and then this old red suit. I'll buy myself some cool new shoes and lose these dull black boots. Then I'll buy some fancy chains like that wrestler named Too Hottie. Then poor Santa took a look at his plump and dumpy body. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says at that time his butt looked like Rikishi's dead, and Santa <laughs> did believe it may have been those million cookies he ate last Christmas Eve. Here's the two variations, Okay. okay. All right, uh, and I don't have it all written down perfectly, but it said, uh, this, I'll buy myself some cool new shoes. This is one, selection one, and lose these dull black boots. And then I'll buy some awesome chaps, chaps just like Shawn Michaels did. Then Santa realized he weighed three times. He weighed, what, three short... Three sh- <laughs> just like the Heartbreak Kid, sorry. Awesome chaps, just like the Heartbreak Kid. Then Santa realized... He weighed three times. <laughs> he weighed three times Shawn Michael did. All right, I'm not reading it very well. <laughs> the other one would be, uh, I'll buy myself some cool new shoes and lose dull black boots. And then I'll buy an awesome robe like nature boy Ric Flair. Then Santa looked in the mirror and his hope turned to despair. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's really funny. <laughs> his body looked like Brodus clays, same butt, same hips, same thighs. A bil- half a billion cookies will do that to a guy. No. Oh, yeah. that's- do we like the uh, the, the Sean Michaels, which was read poorly, or do we like the idea? And you, you're going to have the thought bubble in Santa's head. Mm. Here he has the thought bubble, like, okay, he uh. looks like a, Sa- a Scotty too hot. Now Santa.
2: I think okay, I, I do have an opinion on this, and I think it just depends on what you want the tone to be. The former is more of a dig. The latter is a little more of an exist, it's a little more like of a human, ah, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. So I think it depends on does your audience want to see you take a shot at a guy
1: or really talk about the human condition? So you think he's taking a shot at him if he says three times what Shawn Michaels did. Well, and also, he was, you know what, I was talking to the guy next to me. You guys are not the very first. The guy next to me on the plane was a pretty cool guy. And I was like, hey, uh, what do you think about this? And he was like, you know what, Uh, if you're looking for a G rated book, I'm afraid that Shawn Michaels chaps on Santa <laughs> send the wrong message. No, there's
2: been a lot of changes in the in the world lately. That's but true. I but I think I think um, you know, one the, the Shawn Michaels one is 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 more comedy, and I think the Flair one is a little more like ah, oh, like a little sadder in a weird like sort that. of way. I like so that it's just whichever way you want and to I go. I think
1: the bubble, I think Shawn <laughs> Michaels, I think the Ric Flair Santa, Santa as Nature Boy Ric Flair. Yeah would look uh, funnier. It's visually, It's yeah, there's visually, a lot more yeah. you can
0: do with it. I don't know if anyone needs to see Santa in Chaps. In, and in the thought bubble, he should be saying woo, woo, woo instead yeah, of ho, ho, ho. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, is, yeah. is Santa a
2: WWE guy? Meaning? I mean, it, do you, Santa Claus, it's like he's a guy, he's got a character... Yeah, You know, yeah. There's, it, it requires a
1: tremendous amount of planning and physical... Well, there's a rumor out there that I was Santa Claus on TV, that I was the man who got run over by Alberto Del Rio's car. I can never <laughs> confirm, <laughs> I deny that I was Santa Claus. I'll, I'll bring up a picture, though, so you guys can be the judge. But go ahead and talk. While yeah, here we show. go. This is from Bryce
2: Melendez on Twitter. Was there ever a dangerous bump that you flat out vetoed?
1: You know what, honestly, I, I vetoed a lot of stuff um, That's that probably surprises people because I always put myself in a position where I was contr- in control of my own destiny. Yeah. Uh, even if that destiny looked to be painful. Yeah. Like I was yeah. in control, so if someone made a mistake, it was going to be me. I, uh, I you know, I exnayed like uh, suplexes that looked a little wild that I wasn't in control of. Uh, as you get older and you realize... That guys, you know, need to get over, and they need for their stuff to look good. Your your long term uh, chiropractic <laughs> health may not be their first concern. So sure. I, I would tell people, look, I can't, you know, I can't do that. I'd be diplomatic about it, and then I would usually offer them something that looked better that I was in control of. So uh, I did, I did, uh, and I think it's important because uh, for younger wrestlers they should never be in a position where they're doing something they don't feel comfortable with. You're better off not getting booked than being in a position where you're doing something you don't feel comfortable with. Because you're going to make a mistake. You're going to make a mistake. You could make it look bad. You could get hurt. I mean, I I, I visited a young man who was paralyzed in the hospital because he'd taken uh, some kind of very dangerous suplex on his first match ever. (sighs) And the only reason he was even in the ring is because he'd sold 10 tickets to his friends and then the referee literally shoved him out of the ring with his foot. I mean, kicked him out of the ring when this is a match that should have been stopped, should have had medical attention. So young guys should know out there that they have to look out for themselves because if they don't, you know, they're, they're, I'm lucky that there were people looking out for me, believe it or not, you know, like after Hell in a Cell, Vince McMahon came up to me and he said, you have no idea how much I appreciate what you just did. Oh, wow. But I never want to see anything like that. <laughs> oh, wow. Instead of like, awesome, can we do yeah. it higher next yeah, time? Yeah. yeah, higher next time. Well, that's why That's why it's so, you know, like,
2: those are like backyard wrestling videos where fucking kids jump on. Did yeah. We show a lot
1: of those on Web yeah, we oh, like yeah. Kids Man, jumping I, off roofs. I know. I, I, I don't do it. It encourages them. You know? I do not. Yeah. yeah uh, come well,
2: on. about Hell in the Cell, someone, uh, Boots33, said, when you landed from your first ever fall from the top of Hell, uh, hell in the Cell, did your tooth bust through your upper
1: lip? You know what? Um it was actually there was a big hole in my lower lip, so it was probably the lower lip. And it was uh, I do have two missing front teeth on the upper my upper front teeth, but the the ones that were lost were this half of one here and then another one that's gray that was put back in. So my it's not an original, but you guys can laugh like it is, like <laughs> some guys claim to have a Bluetooth. <laughs> I, actually, I actually have a Bluetooth. Uh and that was the one that ended up in my uh, in my nose. Um,
2: oh my God! Jesus!
1: Yeah. So it was pretty. It was pretty intense. Is
2: it worth it? Like, is it? Because, like, when you're young and you're jumping around and you're landing, you're like, ah, this is. I'm never gonna have to pay for any of this. And then as you start to get older, you're like, what did I do
1: to my body? Well, I knew there was going to be a price. I didn't know it was going to be this high. Like, uh, as I was staggering down Adele's of <laughs> Hollywood's staircase, it's like, yeah, maybe I should have rethought some of those. Uh, you know some of those good elbows. Santa, yeah, pretty good
2: Santa, right? That's yeah, pretty spot-on. Unless you're the teenage girl, then that is a much better makeup <laughs> job.
0: I will tell you, 15-year-old me—that's me. my,
1: my daughter. She's beautiful. And the reason I love the photo is there is no sign of. as when you're a dad, you 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 like you almost go in knowing that your kids are going to resent you when they get to be teenagers no resentment they like a, a happy child like and that's my greatest accomplishment oh, that's oh great. congratulations thank you i appreciate that
2: um is uh so in retrospect is it is it worth it was it was it worth it you know of what if the
1: sort of physical stuff you know if it stays limited to the uh <laughs> it's limited to the structure you know like the uh uh, orthopedic structure. Yeah. Yes. You know, if if I start having uh, bad issues with my brain, then you know, you know, it's a maybe. A, but even if it's not worth it, then what will be worth it is hopefully people learning. Yeah. From uh, from my mistakes, and I think people have. You know, like you you can't you can't WWE. I, I don't think we've seen a, a, a chair shot to the head, in um, in a, in a year. Oh, yeah. oh someone yeah, said yeah, yeah. someone had
2: yeah. a chair question, which yeah. was, someone, hit you. Like, 11 times with a chair, and they were supposed to only hit you a couple times. What was that?
1: Um, That was uh, uh, the moment getting the better of us. That was me and The Rock. And I was in the WWE warehouse, speaking of photos... My wife sent me a couple dirty photos for my trip, so I don't want you guys... <laughs> Are you dressed like Santa in those? Uh, no. Yeah. But look, there's the chair that The Rock actually used on me. Oh, and shit. And you can see the, the dried <laughs> Do you see that, <laughs> that thing? That chair is mangled yeah, with your body. it was really body. mangled. That was bad, you know? That was bad. They keep so that stuff? They do that. That's it's like awesome. a Hall of Fame without a Hall of Fame. It's a warehouse, and I was just I was there because they were shooting the cover for my DVD, yeah. and I was excited because instead of just putting an action shot or a promo shot... They're doing it like uh, Masterpiece Theater, like d- Dinner for Five. Oh, and, yes, right. yeah, yeah. and so they have me as the uh, yeah, as all my characters. And I was, <laughs> you know, Cactus, Dude, Love, Mankind, McFoley, and I was like, but there's five. And they're like, yeah. What are we gonna do? I was like, I brought the Santa out. <laughs> so, uh, so I was in the warehouse and looking around. It was you know they got they have the hell in a cell there. Oh, so that's got amazing. Everything. Got everything. I, I mean, want to go. Have, they have stuff that I sent them. Years ago, I think because I was going to have it be part of the WWE auction and they decided to keep it. But it was like the outfits my wife made for me when I was in WCW in 91. Some cool stuff going back to world class. The chair that's all mangled. Wow. So uh, Just someday. one
0: room full of ripped yellow wow. shirts from Hogan. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> all the leftover Bret Michaels sunglasses
0: they, yeah. he would give us. A- I'm
2: surprised they haven't turned that into some kind of a money-making venture. I, people would pay to see that.
1: I think what they need to do is find the right venue. And I think it's like, you know, if you put it on its own, maybe, it's, maybe people aren't going to go out of their way just right. to visit WWE Hall of Fame. I mean, there are times in the year when you know Cooperstown is you know Baseball Hall Fame is pretty is uh, pretty barren. But I think (laughs) if you put it in an attraction, like uh, put it in Vegas or something, they should. Why don't they tour it? Why don't they tour it? Caesar's
0: Palace, home of the worst (laughs) WrestleMania.
1: (laughs) That was a little bad, (laughs) right? Terrible. Yeah, was that Undertaker? Giant Gonzalez? Yes,
0: yes. Giant Gonzalez, one of those guys that you're like, really? He's just big. Why don't they (laughs) tour it? Like they could tour it with. You know, like just they did, set they
1: did that. They well, did they, the, they did have a little tiny they have a tour, tiny yeah. to tour. But, yeah. but they have so much. I mean, stuff so vast that they could they could have their own building. They
0: should put it in the Hilton sure. where the uh, Star Trek experience no longer exists. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I know. It's all gone. It's the worst day of yeah, my life. Yeah, can you believe guys, it? We I haven't closed. talked any
1: Star Wars, Is that okay. What do you want to talk <laughs> about? No, I gotta tell you, man. Uh, when four? I was younger, I you had to pick you had to pick between Rocky and Star Wars. I went rocky, uh, so I never was enamored the way I went. I saw the first three, and I've met several of the guys over the years. You know who were in the uh, Star Wars. You know Kenny Baker and I used to talk. Oh, and, uh, that's great. You know,
0: uh, you should have had Kenny Baker beat your brother in a record. Yes, man. yeah. <laughs> Dressed, doesn't he look?
1: But no, I, I mean I don't want to lose my nerd credential credibility. <laughs> but I was never caught caught up with it like a lot of people. Like like a lot of people were. Yeah, yeah. Star Trek I'll or Star respect. Wars, which one? I'll do respect. Favorite Star Wars? Um, you know what? Wasn't it The Return of the Jedi? That's your favorite one, the favorite. puppet show. And I, and I saw I saw a it's bunch of these Star Treks which yep. were very good. Yes. Yeah. And even the retelling was very good, so I'll wander in and see it. Yeah. You know, I'm wandering and if I think that uh, uh, Captain Kirk is going to make love to a a purple woman, for example, or yep. a green yep. woman, sure. then I'll tune in to watch, <laughs> and, uh, watch that.
2: What, what, what do you like to watch like is there
1: any what, what do you are there any shows
2: you're watching what kind of what what are what's what's your pers- what kind of personal stuff are you into
1: I have to tell you I became a, a rain online volunteer like a sexual assault volunteer uh-huh. to help people and i it kind of took up most of my viewing time and I, I don't do it anymore I wish I could say I did but I got out of the habit of watching all my favorite shows which were like Dexter. Californication, yeah, uh, Nurse Jackie was another Really one just I everything liked. on Showtime. Yeah, New <laughs> Girl, I, I like some uh, ho- uh, Larry David. You know, I love yep. some of those okay. shows. But uh, I'm not real up. And when I do catch an occasional show, like uh, I, I've never seen Big Bang Theory. Not once. Never seen uh, it either. Uh, I've seen like two Glees. I, before this <laughs> Glees. Uh, last year's The Voice, I'd never watched a single episode of like a contest reality TV. And uh, the only reality TV shows I've watched are the ones I've appeared on, yeah. or where I have friends on. So I'll watch uh, ce-
0: Celebrity Apprentice.
1: <laughs> celebrity Apprentice, or I'll watch cele- <laughs> <laughs> the one Celebrity Drug Rehab. Oh celebrity yeah! Rehab. yeah! No, hey, I got a friend of mine on there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God.
2: no! Hope it does well. Uh, what well, tell, well, well, tell us a little about your work with rain
1: yeah I, I was a volunteer uh, I, I, I linked on there because I was a huge Tori Amos fan and I thought that they you know sexual violence was uh, something that was just you know handled by you know survivors and women and then when I was on there I was like hey you know like this is exactly where a guy could be helping out you know like I had hoped I still hope that sometime we'll do like some kind of PSA uh, with all the unlikely Allies like the pro wrestler, the bull rider, the car rider, the football player. You yeah. you have six or seven guys with the right message, and it could be pretty powerful. Uh, I was asked by a group in Chicago to speak out against Rampage Jackson. I guess he did a, a video, like a spoof video on how to rape a woman. Oh, oh Jesus I, I, Christ. You know, the, I was asked about the subject of rape humor. Uh, by TMZ. And I think my my answer is too serious because it never it never aired. And this is right after somebody from WWE, uh, Isaiah Washington, was that his name? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He was let go for, for saying that his tag team was going to be like Kobe in a Colorado hotel room. <laughs> unstoppable. And it, uh, But for comics who think that it's free game, that like, like it's their right, it's like, yeah, it's your right if you think entertaining people involves... Bringing up the worst experience that someone's ever had in their life and having them relive it at your show—sure, that's not what I may not be the best comic in the world, but no one's going to have the worst time of their life yeah. at my shows. And so I was asked about what I thought about, you know, humor revolving on rape. I said, theoretically, it's possible, and and, and there are jokes that show great empathy for the you know f- for the survivors or the victims. And so you can you can find humor in it in a, done the right way. You, springtime for Hitler is one of the, who doesn't laugh why, and he's yeah. saying, Hitler humor would have been considered taboo, but there's a way of there's a way of making almost anything humorous. but I said it's kind of like hitting the hitting the you know uh, the uh not the, help me with my base, nail on the slider head. down and away like. Yeah, you can hit it, but more often than that, you're gonna look bad. So often going for it, most of the
0: time you will file it off your ankle. Well,
1: I think, <laughs> and you're just you're just better off leaving that one. You know, the night. the comment
2: threads on our on the website about because obviously we're comics and we have comedians on, and yeah. some and some comedians do take on stuff as a challenge to yeah. sort of see if they can make difficult things funny. And people always debate about it. and They go, "Well, it's comedy; you shouldn't be upset." Other people go, "Well." Yeah, but that's really fucked up. And if you went through something like that, then why would you? you know, and then and someone sort of condensed it into this point of like, look, it really all depends on who the who the butt of the joke is. Yeah. And if if it's someone who is, you know, because comedy is supposed to sort of or the, the, their point was, you know, comedy is all about tearing down the or maybe even Mel Brooks said this, sort of like tearing down the powerful, like whatever is in power, and sort of, yeah. you know, and so. If you go after someone who's in that position, they are not in a position of power. So why would you kick someone when they're already yeah. down? Yeah. It was sort of the was sort of the point, like you know. So I think I think maybe that has that has a and, lot. And, you to know, it
1: just you learn statistically from being a volunteer that you go into any group of people, and somebody in there is is a victim of uh, sexual violence, or somebody know obviously somebody knows somebody whether they know it or not because it's talked about so seldomly. So you know, my hope by getting involved is I could be part of a larger conversation where you could go around and you'd be like, listen, there are things like muscular dystrophy and cancer like that we can't stop. You know, like a kid with muscular dystrophy has a death sentence. Like, there is no cure. Every day a kid lives with muscular dystrophy is a day closer to the day they die. Unfortunately, like, you accept that. But then you take something like bullying or sexual violence. In fairness, know. every day we live is also a day closer to the day we <laughs> yeah, die. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> not me, man. Not me. All right, but, but not at sixteen. Sure. You know, you're, you You know, I have a, a friend who lost three children Jeez. before they were before they were seventeen. Jeez. And so you take these things that you can't change, and then you compare them to ones that are completely preventable, and you say, why? You know, you know this. Even for guys who have a good time and come on and and have their outlets and have you know a good life. A lot of pain. There's a lot of pain involved in day-to-day living, you know. So why, why, you know, why exacerbate that when we have the chance to eliminate? Well, I eliminate. also
2: think that uh, you know, because my my stance in comedy for a long time is is always like, well, and it's sort of shifting a little bit. I think because I'm I'm empathetic to people who get bummed out about things. Yeah. And so I, I guess the way that I sort of feel about it now is like, look. I respect that a comic can do pretty much whatever they want. There will be consequences if they broach certain topics, and and there are certain
1: things that I won't. You know, like in some situations, especially with this subject, what I'd like to be able to do is is instead of firing off, and I shouldn't have named the guy because I really did. I I wanted to go and maybe make a present my case and say, do you guys know how much pain this causes? Like, are you aware? Cause, you know I did a speech one time for like 300 military members for rain and, uh, and and I took that standpoint that if you knew what type of pain was you know you were you were um, creating, you wouldn't do it. Like, I don't think I would ask I would ask survivors on the hotline like do you think they do the person did they know do you even think they know what they did And a lot of times it's no. do you think they know the amount of pain that you've been? no. And if you went to somebody and said, "This is the worst thing you possibly do to somebody," like this thing you thought was just, uh, you know, something for a night, and then you move on from, and then some of these guys become like serial abusers, you mm-hmm. know, where they they specifically look for women who can't make a, a a decision because they're too far too heavily under the influence. But if you say to mo- if you spelled it out for most people, I have to believe that most people would not. Decide to create that type of pain, and then afterwards, um, when we were having a little something to eat, the lady from Rain goes, "You know, I really liked your speech, but I disagree with you." And I said, "Really? What what about?" She goes, "I think they do know how much pain they're causing, and that's why they do it." And I was like, "Like, you know, like I felt like I've been kicked in the stomach." And I have to believe that's different. There are people. I just saw the biggest downer movie of all time. Did you see uh, anyone see? we have to talk about Kevin or we need to talk oh, about Kevin? Oh, we need Kevin? to talk about yeah. Kevin, yeah. Holy crap. No. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, it's dark. brutal. Uh, Tilda Swinton, right? Yeah, Tilda Swinton and uh, um, John C. Riley in a yeah. very un-John C. Riley yes. role as a dad, as a good dad, but he's a dad of, like, the the, the, the kid from hell. Yeah. And, and there's a kid who obviously just enjoyed creating Misery. By a brutal uh, movie, yeah. yeah. There's people few and far between. We better lift this show up a little (laughs) (laughs) bit. But but before, you know, (laughs) before, but I will, I do say that I think
2: it's, I think it's good and I think it's important and it's interesting what you said about, you know, is getting guys and I I feel like this is ultimately what you were saying is getting sort of icons from kind of, you know, dude heavy professions that a lot of other dudes look up to Because I think probably what happens sometimes is you know dudes look up to you or like guys in the UFC or you know or like I said rodeo guys and they're like, oh they're big tough guys they probably like to fuck people up and do all sorts of fucked up shit and like they, they they I think they almost
1: think they're emulating you, but they're not but but they have it wrong yeah. and if so, they see somebody making light of it on on a video or um or an interview then it 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 creates that feeling that you you said it compounds that feeling but I think having more like Having more dudes stand up yeah. and, and be like,
2: hey, dudes. don't be a fucking dickhead. Dudes of the world. <laughs> don't be a dickhead. <laughs> uh, I think uh, here's one more. Yeah, we better take a, a tweet, uh, take a question. Take one more. But this was really, you know, Thank I think you. I think it's important because I think people like seeing this side of you and they like hearing it. It's interesting and it's something that you care about and that makes it important. Uh, to them. Like that's that so I don't think it's a downer. I don't think it's weird. We talk about a lot of serious stuff Thank on the podcast. So I think it's I think, it, I think yeah, it's, it's good. good. And if it helps
1: people and if it where where I, where where would they go? Rain Yeah. R A I N N dot org. And that's whether they, they are someone who needed help, know someone who needed help, or they want to volunteer, donate. R A I N N dot org. It's uh, free, it's uh, anonymous and very easy to use. Okay. That's great. Um, and so uh, I guess one of the
2: last tweets that I think we have time for here comes from Dom Risk. Uh, who was a better wrestler to work with, Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels, and was Shawn really a dick or portrayed badly? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, I hate... You know what, I hate People to, just don't hold back. I hate to fix, to choose sides because they were both so 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 good. They, both of them were great. <laughs> they were both huge dicks. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, I'm working on my uh, my... You know, thinking about my... Hall of Fame speech and I'm thinking of centering it around Madison Square Garden and trying to try instead of trying to cover everything I'm trying to do Don't ignore the Worcester Centrum <laughs> 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 I'm trying to do the Tombstone version of Wyatt Earp instead of the Kevin Costner
0: one <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yes! Uh, yes! It, you, you give people you know you center it around a focal point And uh, there were only two house show matches that I wish I had on on videotape, like matches that were so good I wish I had them that are, you know, just gone except in people's minds. And one of them was with Bret Hart in either Manchester or Birmingham, England, and the other was with Shawn Michaels at Madison Square Garden. Uh, And I always got along really good with Shawn. I mean, I loved wrestling, wrestling him, and he was the perfect opponent because he was small enough to where I could do, like, big guy stuff. Even going back to 96 and mind games, like there's no one else I could have done the back suplex turn into a cross body (laughs) off the top rope through the table with because I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing it with anyone. Uh, I I don't think I could have controlled and ensured the safety of anyone else. I, I, I really got along good with him, but I think he'd be the first to admit that he was not portrayed. <laughs> inaccurately uh, back then and if there was ever a case of somebody redeeming himself and having uh, like the greatest second act ever in pro wrestling yeah. it was uh, it was it was Sean. Wow. Even though you guys chose to vote down Shawn Michaels' appearance in the reworking of my... No, oh, I mean, no. if he's going
0: to, you know, if yeah. it's somebody,
1: it's going to be Rick Flair. You can bring
2: right? him back when you write your <laughs> Vince McMahon book, which should be called Mick, M-I-C-K, Man, M-A-N. Here's my question oh. for you. Why Or McManiac.
0: Why do they never decide to just score the plastic ribbon that runs around those folding tables? Because that looked like the most painful part of going through a table.
1: Oh well, now they they you they, know they have they the, that, the, that that custom built uh an, the announcers tables with the slot mm. for the uh... okay now see and that's the thing and yeah. kids that are doing
2: backyard wrestling do not have custom tables Correct. with the slot
1: yeah
0: <laughs> they just have tables they have regular yeah. table um but like those folding tables you know with the metal legs that come out yeah, yeah. the the ones that you would go
1: through normally I wonder, they I have wonder... a
0: rubber band like a, or a plastic band you know what like, catch your you neck
1: know, you, uh, there are there is a history of a few injuries um. Through that. Um, but can I close here on the dumbest thing I've ever heard? Yes. Okay. Prior to two weeks ago in Kansas City, I thought this was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard from a wrestling fan. The guy sees me get out of my car to Jiffy Lube and he goes, Oh man, moving kind of slow, huh? And I said, Yeah. And he goes, I guess that wrestling really takes its toll. I said, Yeah, it does. And he looks me right in the eye, he goes, you ever get hurt doing that? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Did
2: we not just talk about oh, yeah. the toll? Uh, did we
1: just cover that? And then the guy in Kansas City comes up to me goes, and I, I, I make this little joke out of uh, being like Bill Murray in Groundhog's Day mm-hmm. for the last 15 years, getting the same question sure. every single day. And so I goes, I know you don't like to talk about Hell in a Cell. He goes, but I couldn't help but notice that when The Undertaker threw you off that cell, you landed on a table. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he goes, and it broke your fall. And I said, you know what? It was a magic table. <laughs> and he goes, so you didn't get hurt? I said, not at all. Said, That's what I thought. He Walked by and I just made mental note that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <life>. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, this was uh, really nice to have you on. I, because I, initially I thought I'm not going to be in New York until I think I'm performing in, in, in April in New York, and so I, I thought that's going to be months. And then Tony, come to find out, you were on your way uh to oh, Australia. Yeah, it worked out nice, I had those
1: 10 hours in LA, and we made it happen. You're going down nice. to
2: uh under earth summer, which is basically the underside oh, of the man, earth yeah. is having yeah. there. Oh, wow, there's summer. Uh, oh you know what this is nice I wanted to say this is a this is a nice fuzzy way to uh, end the podcast This guy RJ409 says Chris can you please have Mr Foley say hi to my brother Aaron he's a special needs guy and a biggest fan of mankind Nope
1: <laughs> 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 No can do. To quote Daryl oh, I can't go for that. No. No kidding. Aaron, how are you doing, buddy? Nice to meet you. Uh, and thank you very much for being a fan. <laughs> you just broke oh, Jonas. That's
0: so fucking
1: funny. I love that. that is <laughs> exactly. Thanks, man. Nope. We appreciate all you guys. And honestly... The, I just love those. <laughs> this is my worlds colliding when they see like you know, Mick Foley Nerdist. Like that's it's awesome. So glad we we we'll make that happen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah nice. so follow
2: make at Mick at Real Foley. Uh, uh, go go see Mick live uh, and
0: any of the English speaking countries that we mentioned: Australia, uh, uh, England. Uh, so go to his website realmcfoley.com or go to my website realmcfoley.tv.
2: Or if you're in LA and mix in LA, go to Adele's. Yeah. Adele's stalk me at the airport. Yeah, uh, look yeah. for
1: the new book, the new <laughs> version Let's of about, Christmas Chaos. He's he's a big shaggy guy in a Santa shirt. Which one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's really just the one guy. Yeah. I have to pitch this uh, to WWE. I have to pitch it to the marketing team as to why they should Read have it. a reworking. And I'm thinking like maybe as like a bonus, you know, make it a paperback. I, like 26 of the illustrations can stay. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you coloring, why. Coloring I know book. why.
2: I'll tell you what your pitch is. Uh, pitch it for I. IP- pitch it for like a tablet. Say so you know what I wanna. I wanna make it into a ten app, like a tablet app. Uh, but since we're doing that, maybe I'll update some of the references. There you go. Boom. All right, I think
1: it'd be easy. Yeah, yeah. I spent six hours rewriting it. Very happy. <laughs> I took out the scene where Rudolph's being beaten up by all seven deer. Uh, uh, though you could argue that he deserves it because yeah. he's very selfish. Like, a fast showboat, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah he just is a bragger and uh, Santa. Well, can I? Can I? Can I? I'll read this one line to you guys. And yeah. Then I'll, then I'll then I'll go. Okay. Sure. This is uh Santa is saying. Um, Santa's firing back at Rudolph. He says, there was a time I needed you and your nose to get through storms. But since Ben Franklin flew his kite and Thomas Edison was born, your big red nose is useless. I've got other ways to see. Radar, sonar, GPS, and flashlight batteries. (laughs) I've had it with your selfish ways. If you're bragging, I've grown tired, and I won't take it anymore. For as of now, as of now, as of now, you're fine. No so nice. <laughs> yes. No, I just, I, I just I was,
2: if, you know, if you're walking to the airport and you drop your notebook and someone picks it up, they're going to see your shirt and see what you're writing. About, and like,
0: this guy really loves Christmas.
1: He just
0: loves it. That's he loves awesome. it. This guy must be the Christmas billionaire that writes everything Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah. sighs>
2: All right, enjoy your burrito, everyone. Thank you. McFarlane.
0: Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
2: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code Nerdist.
0: You're playing with me, right?
2: You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery+. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.